Hey, Moving Forward listeners, a quick disclaimer before you listen to this episode, which is part of the book writing miniseries that I recorded several years ago. The books I was a co-author on are no longer in print, and I have since permanently parted ways with my former co-author. As such, I have edited these episodes, removing as many mentions of the titles as possible. I'm also adding this disclaimer to minimize any confusion. The basic information contained within is still helpful, which is why I've decided to keep them on this podcast. I also encourage you to listen to episode 388 to learn more about the reasons behind my decision. Now that we've covered that, I hope you enjoy this series and find these episodes helpful. Thank you. Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 245. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Part one. I was uh, texting with a friend of mine the other day, and it was interesting because um, he's working on his book, and I was telling him about some of the projects I'm working on, and he said to me, wow, you lead such an adventurous life. And it was interesting to me because I don't actually think of it that way. And there are days where I just feel like, do I know what I'm doing? And yet I look at his life and he's got, you know, he's got a wife, he's got two kids, he's got a house, he's got, you know, pets and everything. And I was thinking, I said to him, you know what, I actually kind of envy your life. And we got into this conversation about how unglamorous our lives really are. And it got me thinking, it reminded me of a quote that I read in a, a novel by Debbie Maycomer, uh, where the quote is something to the effect of, if the grass is greener, you can bet the water bill is higher. And it really kind of put things in perspective. And uh, it reminded me, you know, appreciate what you have because someone else is going to envy your life. And while you're envying someone else's life, it's not always going to look perfect. It's not always going to be as perfect as you think it is. So appreciate what you have, but continue to work towards what it is you want and don't be complacent. And that was a good reminder. It was one of those things where it was a light moment, but a light moment reminding me of a really, really important lesson that I sometimes forget. And if you've had moments like that, I'd love to hear about it. We all go through that, I think, when we interact with friends, especially ones we haven't seen in a long time. All right, let's move into part two. Let's dive into some technical. We're going to talk about manuscript document or documents, if you're using the uh, building block analogy, to actually compiling it into a, um, uh, a format for publication. So you can do this on Scrivener. I love Scrivener because I think it does a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of the formatting. You can do this on Word. And if you're going to do this on Word, I'm going to recommend that you go to KDP's uh, website for Amazon if you're publishing on uh, Amazon. I'm sure a lot of the other uh, self-publishing portals probably have similar options where you can download templates for Microsoft Word because Microsoft Word is simply a very large word processor. It's a very general use word processor, but you can actually format it and you can condition it to be specific to publishing a book because there's certain things that are unique to publishing a document as a book. So let's talk about a couple of these and a couple of considerations that are easy to forget. Uh, Let's talk about fonts. So one of the things that you're going to think about or want to think about is what font do you want your book to be in, especially if you're publishing the paperback. Now, if you're publishing it as an ebook, there's some flexibility. Most Kindle readers or ebook readers will give you some options to choose and change the font type as well as the font size. But obviously with a paperback, it's going to be permanent, right? So you've got to decide what font type and what font size you want to use. So a couple of considerations. That's going to be largely personal to you. Choose something clean, readable. I mean, that's 
kind of basic. But one consideration is uh, make sure that if you do choose a font that's not typical or usual, uh, make sure that it is royalty free because fonts are created by um, artists or third parties. Sometimes newer fonts may have some copyright restrictions. Uh, a useful page, and I'll put it in the write-up, is uh, KDP's guide on acceptable fonts. So they actually have a list. It's actually pretty broad. You do have a lot of options. And Scrivener, I found, actually comports uh, fairly well. It's pretty well aligned with that list from KDP. So you may want to take a look at it. Also, flip through books that you have on your shelf, see if there's a particular font, because what you actually wrote your manuscript in, whether you were uh, writing in Word or Scrivener, may not necessarily be the font that you want to publish in. And that's entirely up to you. It's a personal decision. Uh, font size. This is another thing you're going to want to take a look at. Uh, be aware. Uh, when you're writing your book, it may be in 12, 13, or 14 point font, just so you can see it clearly on your computer screen, especially if you've got a smaller screen to work with. But for a paperback, it's going to generally be smaller. So you're probably looking at maybe anywhere between 10 to 11 point. Again, look at the guides on KDP. Look at books that you have on your shelf, unless you're publishing what's called a, um, a large font print. And there are books which are specifically designed with larger font sizes, but that's really more for specific readers who need the extra font size, you know, maybe for vision issues and things like that. So typically, though, your, your publication font's going to be a smaller size. You're going to also want to start looking at the formatting of your book. Now, Scrivener has a lot of formatting options. I'm not going to go into too much detail on those. There are tutorials online that you can look at uh, where you can play around with it. So if you go to some of their pre-formatted templates, templates for things like, uh, you know, part, chapter, section headers and things like that, how you want them to appear, Word, you're going to have to do some manual formatting and working underneath the hood of the uh, uh, system to kind of uh, adjust some of these things uh, or use a KDP template. I'm sure they have um, options in there as well, but uh, how you format that is going to be entirely up to you. So you're going to need to really think about how you want to format that. Uh, a good practice that I'm going to share with you is to keep two copies of your formatting file. So keep one for the ebook, and if you're going to publish a paperback, save a separate one for that. They're going to be virtually identical, but there are going to be some slight differences. And I do encourage you to refer back to episode 241 to get a basic primer on paperback dimensions. The one difference uh, that uh, you will see is that with the ebook, when you publish an ebook, especially on, on KDP for Kindle, uh, they really make it as easy as possible. So the table of contents is going to be automatically formatted. You don't need to create that yourself. If you are putting the table of contents in your paperback version, you're going to need to do this yourself. And Word has options for you to create a table of contents, but I'll share how to do it on Scrivener. Basically, you take your front matter folder and you should have a document in there for contents. You can create one if you haven't already. You highlight all of your documents. You go to edit copy special and there's an option for copying the documents as table of contents so basically you copy that and you paste it into your contents document and it'll paste the chapters and the corresponding page numbers now be careful i recommend you do this at the very very end once you have your manuscript locked down once it's edited and all that good stuff and you're not going to make any changes because the page numbers will not update automatically if you make changes 
So if you do make changes, you're gonna to need to go through that process again. So I recommend save it to the very end. The one thing that I found, or the one quirk I found with the paperback formatting for table of contents is it doesn't always add the chapter titles. So I wasn't quite sure how to figure that out. So I just manually type them in. Any of you who are Scrivener experts, if you ran into this or if you have a workaround for that, uh, let me know because I'd love to know about it. As I mentioned, the ebook is going to be automatic. The write-up for this episode is available at bemovingforward.com. Your homework for this week, start setting up your templates on Scrivener or Word. Explore the KDP templates, especially if you are using Microsoft Word. It'll, it'll make your life a little bit easier. I'll have links to that on the write-up. Part three, The Good Earth by Pearl S. Buck. I give it four stars. This is a classic novel. It's been on my to-read list for a long time. And uh, it's about a poor Chinese farmer in the early 20th century who is just struggling. He's trying to, you know, he starts a family. He's trying to rise above his impoverished roots. And it's a really this sweeping epic of how over time he and his family start to become landowners. And it the tale spans several generations. And much like uh, another book that I read, uh, uh, a month or two ago, Pachinko, it really just kind of sweeps you in with its scope and uh, this descriptive po prose. I mean, it was written in, I think, 1930 or 31, and um, uh, I think uh, Pearl Buck won the Pulitzer for this book. Uh, really, really uh, engrossing book. I, I do recommend it. I'll be back next week. Have a great week, and remember, always be moving forward.